0: My name is Alan Smithson, your host for the XR for Business podcast, where we interview industry leaders who are either making or using immersive virtual, augmented, and mixed reality solutions for business. From marketing and sales, to logistics and training, to design and remote collaboration, learn how the world's largest organizations are implementing an XR for Business strategy and why you should too. Today's guest is Kasper Tickier, CEO of Zapper, Casper has an extensive background in advertising and marketing, and has been lucky enough to work with some of the most successful companies with the biggest blue chip brands surrounded by the best people. Now he's spending all of his time in the new world of spatial storytelling, or augmented reality, as some call it. He's helped many companies get to market, but the one that he's working on now that is at the forefront of all this technology is Zapper. Zapper is an augmented reality platform and a creative studio all rolled into one and they've been doing augmented reality since 2011. Zapper are really specialists in augmented virtual and mixed reality and they've been leading the way for over seven years. They work with some of the biggest brands in the world to meet their marketing and commercial objectives by adding a layer of interactive digital content to their products, packaging, point of sale places, and physical marketing collateral. Basically, they turn all passive print into always-on media channels that brand owners can control, which is pretty incredible and amazing stuff. You can learn more about Zapper by visiting them at zapper.com, Z-A-P-P-A-R.com, or if you're American, Z-A-P-P-A-R.com. I want to welcome Casper to the show. Welcome to the show, Casper. (laughs)
1: <laughs> thank you so much and thanks for that introduction especially making the difference between the the us and the uk pronunciation of of z and z
0: <laughs> well i'm canadian so it's you know we we share the uh, the z
1: yeah, there you go
0: <laughs> amazing well thank you so much for joining me i've been really excited about this podcast interview it's um you are you are literally a pioneer not only a pioneer but a leading pioneer in this industry um, <clears throat> Zapper, you guys have done work with Walmart, you've da- done work with 7-Eleven, with uh, tons of alcohol brands, with packaging brands, with consumer packaged goods, you know, maybe let's just kind of list off a few of the ones, the highlights that, that you guys have done recently, and then we'll dig into, you know, what this technology does for a brand, how they can use it, and how they can get really involved.
1: Absolutely, yeah, that'll be great. I mean, I- I- maybe to preface that, I, I mean, I think... How we've come to be working with such a diverse range um, of of clients and partners really stems back to to, to when we started. Um, as you said, it's a uh, it seems a long time ago now, back in 2011. But because we were a company that was self funded then, and when you think of you know back then, really you know we had to explain pretty hard to people what AR was, and we had to make sure that any of the Um, projects that we worked on were clearly revenue driving and revenue generating for the business. So at that time, we um, looked pretty sort of horizontal and shallow across lots of different industries. And I guess, you know, looked into our sort of black book of contacts to see where we could sort of fish first. But it meant that we ended up, you know, exploring the opportunities for AR across uh, entertainment. Uh, We did a lot of work with the Hollywood studios at that time, with Warner Brothers and others, um, both in theatrical marketing and consumer products. Uh, but then into uh, retail Uh, so working with retailers across the world um, be it here in the uk with with asda part of walmart um, indeed walmart in the states and 7-eleven or woolworths in australia etc then into connected packaging um, and that's something that i'd certainly see uh, coming um, to have do more of in in the future um, but with brands um, like nestle or unilever etc uh, learning, training and development became another area of, of real interest for us. Um, you know, the amazing power of augmented reality to uh, help people with active learning through doing. Um, we saw that um, to great effect in some financial services industries and indeed in healthcare as well. Um, then into work we've done in education um, as well and into conferences and events. And you're right that, you know, that we really have um, sort of gone across an awful, awful, um, broad spectrum um, uh, uh, of, of different services and, and clients. And I think that's because of where we came from. Um, uh, and yeah, I-
0: we weren't just some VC funded company that, um, you know, raised hundreds of millions of dollars and then, you know, built a, an entire tech stack that went sideways. But um, we'll, we'll leave it at that. But I, I think one of the things that you guys have always done is looked at you know, profitable ways to use this technology and not just profitable for yourselves, but for the the businesses that you consult with and make things for. And I think that is a really big difference. You know, a, a lot of startups today are, you know, they're getting funding based on the demo and they're not really thinking about how do we actually, you know, make money with this. And so there's this kind of weird, um, you know, venture capital backed mm-hmm. you know, scheme going on where, you know it's really not in the best interest of the, of of the business user as well, because it's, you know, they're, they're trying to get users or whatever, but they're not really trying to
1: bring real business value. Mm. I think that's what you guys do best. Well, yeah, again, thank you. Um, I, I, I think that's because we've always had this mentality of trying to live within what AR is capable of now rather than what it's capable of in the future. Um, and I think the thing is that, um, Again, even back in 2011-12, there were some amazing things that we could do with, with AR. Um, in fact, there are still some of those demos that we show now from back then that still wow people. Um, and it's kind of living in that mindset that still for the majority of, of, of users or, or you know, uh, people out there, they haven't really experienced um, AR beyond, I guess, now what they're seeing with Snapchat, etc. And it's the small experiences that still surprise and delight or can be used to inform and instruct. Um, And so I think that that process of living within what the technology can do and really thinking about the moment of assistance for AR um, is is the important thing, rather than what is the future thing that it will be able to do tomorrow. Uh, And the more that you try that is a really, really good piece of advice. You
0: know, we all get caught up, especially the people in the industry. We get caught up in this, you know, trying to push the limits of the technology. And, you know, we actually uh, built a platform for people to make AR quickly. And Hmm. the thing that they did the most, which was shocking to us, they didn't import 3D models. They didn't import 3D buttons. They didn't import anything. They literally just put videos over top of their images.
1: Yeah, that's it. It was
0: amazing yeah I mean ninety nine percent of it was just videos on top, and that was mind blowing for most
1: people yeah that 's it that 's it it 's understanding what where people are and the sort of the, the sort of expectation curve with um, those things I mean, we have this really sort of simple mantra that we talk about a lot, um, which is called the the three c 's for success for for AR and funny enough, very um, well, none of those c s are really about the technology um, so they stand for you know, understanding the context, um, the call to action, and, and of course the content. And actually that context is really thinking deeply about that moment of assistance. You know, That end user, what are they doing at that point in time when you're asking them to take out their phone and point it at um, you know, whatever object or thing that they're about to augment. And in fact, you know what's happening at that time. What's going on with the lighting and the audio? Um, Do they have Wi-Fi and network connectivity? Are they likely to have the right amount of dwell time to really want to engage with this piece of content? And those things become incredibly important because they absolutely frame um, that that moment of assistance. How people are going to uh, interact with this piece. Um, I think I'm going to just you know put a pin in there just for one second because
0: I think you this by by what you're talking about putting it into context. A lot of You know, if you're going to do an AR thing in a newspaper where people, you know, or whatever, a printed piece where people may have their phones in their pockets or they're they're walking somewhere, you know, I think you you really hit it there because a lot of brands don't think about that. That is the one thing that, you know, they're like, oh, you know, we're going to make a, a poster AR and they don't realize that, you know, people are not going to pull their phone out. To point it at a poster if they don't even know it's there.
1: No, you're absolutely right. And but I, uh, uh, well, I think that's because you know it's very easy to kind of um, have the idea of AR come into a, a business and someone be told to go and you know do this discovery piece and find out what it's for. And I guess if you start from that perspective, you're almost going seeing AR as a strategy in and of itself, as opposed to a facilitating technology to solve a particular problem. Um, uh, so no that you know that, that that context piece is is absolutely critical to get right from the very start and but then there 's the call to action as well i mean it's it 's incredible you know how important that is you know unless you tell people really clearly what it is they 're meant to do and what the value proposition is that they get at the end of this experience they 're very you know they 're not very likely to do it really um, frankly um, and so you know again when when we first started out, you know this notion that you know you can really scan um, anything, uh, anywhere in the world with your device and have things come to life is a, it's a wonderful prospect. But un- unless you're at the point where everything does that, does it accurately, then how do you know what things to augment and what things you shouldn't? Um, and so you have to use some real estate in order to you know, prepare people for that action and make sure that they do it right. Um, it's interesting
0: that you say that because you know the 19 crimes wine bottle? Yes. You know, it's this famous wine bottle where you can download an app and point it at the thing. But the app has nowhere in the app does it say nineteen crimes first of all, so you can't google nineteen crimes app second of all, on the bottle, it doesn't say anything anywhere either, so there's no call to action unless you are specifically looking for it yeah and you'll never find it and that that's a very good point
1: yeah it's fascinating and and that's a I mean that's a case study that comes up a lot and and um do you know what, they've obviously had great success with it and the numbers speak for itself and it's a beautiful execution. And I guess where I do take my hat off to them is um, uh, making sure that AR was in the thought process of the design of that entire product and experience from the very start. And I think that really shows. There are other nuances that I think are, you know, interesting to look at. I mean, as I understand it, the size of that um, app download is in the hundreds of megabytes, which is actually quite a, you know, a chunk of all of ask people um, and then the load times are quite long. So I mean, you know, this and this is the thing with AR is that there are there are many things to think about when designing it, um, and you need to think um, really deeply not about this, just these three Cs we're talking about, but the entire AR ecosystem and how you're deploying it and distributing it and, and getting people to use it. Um, but yeah, that's so. So we definitely see that call to action as 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 that that fundamentally that important thing to get right. And it's not enough to just say scan here. You know, you, you do need to tell people. What that value proposition is. What is the point, you know, for them. What is the value exchange? So let me let me ask you a quick question. Then, you know, typically
0: you guys have done everything from you know training and you know consumer packaged goods. You've done posters. You've done in-store activations. Hmm. What is that that value proposition that really tends to resonate with? Uh, with consumers, is it you know a free thing? Is it gamification? Is it you know what is that? Is it you know taking a photo? What is the, the you know one or two things that really resonates with consumers?
1: Well, it's hard to give you a, a, a single answer for that because it's totally dependent on the, on the context, the audience, the sector, you know, the, the engagement. Um, but but it but you're right in that um, I don't know. Let's take. Something like Seven Eleven, for instance, is a good example. You know, that's where you know, there's a brand actually who has been incredibly innovative in their sector and has embraced AR as this always-on um, camera function within the Seven Rewards app. Uh, And very much seen as a way to not only surprise and delight users, but also to give them tangible um, value through valuable seven rewards points that they can earn. So not only do they get these um, digital experiences that they can enjoy and share, but they also have the opportunity to, to redeem rewards points that they can then um, uh, use on their on their next shop, so there's a very interesting sort of dual um, benefit there um, with a uh, both a digital and a and a physical value add, if you like. Um, uh, but I th- so I, th- I think. Understanding what the um, what the offer is, if you like, um, really does depend on um, what the execution is and, and, and what you're trying to achieve. Um, you know, I, I tend to find that that sort of the photo share element is something that is sort of a ubiquitous feature, as opposed to an endpoint in itself, because it's just become something that is so prevalent and that's sort of almost so expected um, that it's just one aspect of it um, that, that's there if people want to do it. Um, Well, unless you're turning the flat iron building into pizza and and throwing
0: up rainbows. I mean, that's just pretty cool.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The stuff that Snapchat is doing is really incredible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I think their tools are are fantastic. And and again, you know, a a great focus there on how that can work within a specific sort of social network, you know, kind of environment um, uh, for, for, for social play. So I think they're doing a great job. So you mentioned three C's.
0: We spoke about context: what is the user doing at the time of activation? You know, what is their mindset? What are you know? What do they have their phone with them? That sort of thing. Call to action: you know, what is the value proposition? How do you tell them about it? How do you educate them? What is the third C? Uh,
1: well, that, that's content, uh, and I think you know, the content piece is really just making sure that whatever you're developing. Um, couldn't have been easier for someone to get, had they literally just gone onto YouTube or something they could have got um, actually more easily through just going through a normal app interface or onto a website. Because if that's the case, um, that is um, uh, obviously um, uh, something that people are very familiar with. Um, And so to ask them to go through the process of either downloading an app or opening an app to get this experience, it needs to be something um, uh, that, that warrants that level of um, uh, kind of um, input and attention. Um, so I think that's just about then thinking about, you know, how do we use spatial computing and, and how do we design the UX and UI in order to deliver, you know, this this short form sort of snackable um, bite-sized experience that, that people, you know, um, uh, want to enjoy and, and may want to share um, and certainly provide some sort of information utility or reward um, so i think one of the things we've done obviously is, as a business um, is is try and design the tools in order to make sure those content experiences can be as expressed as, as possible so so we have this um platform called zapworks that allows people to do that um, and, and i guess the way we've designed it is to make sure that it can cater for all the different types of context and all the different types of contents that any Brand or business, or indeed, you know, individual hobbyist um, might want to uh, might want to use.
0: So maybe let's let's unpack. You know, your tools, ZapWorks, because I think this is something that, um, you know, one thing you guys are a content studio. So you know, you consult with brands, you figure out what they want, and you, you design it and build it for them. But ZapWorks is a little bit different in the fact that you're giving the power to design these incredible experiences. To the agency or to the marketing people or designers or developers, you're literally, you've created a platform for them to make the magic themselves.
1: Yeah, that's correct. Well, very early on, I guess our, 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 our driving mantra and passion really as a business has always been about how do you democratize AR? You know, we all know that it's been around for you know, decades, um, but, but the inflection point was when it was available on, on these handheld devices, you know, so we could create that connection between the, the physical world and digital devices. Um, and, you know, we always knew that there was only so much of that content that we could or wanted to deliver as a, as, a, as a studio and as a business ourselves. And much more exciting was to be able to put those tools in the hands of everyone. Uh, and understand what they might come up with and what that um, AR experience might look like within their sector and uh, their area of expertise um, and in their business. And so it's always been important for us that we ensure that the exact tools that we use here as a studio are available to to everyone else. Now, I guess we have a, a nice sort of first step proving ground of those tools to make sure they're solid before we put them out onto Zapworks. Um, but yes, they're, they're, they're there for everyone to use. And we try to make it so that it can cater for people of, of all sorts of um, sort of abilities. Um, so we have this very simple notion um, of the very, very basic level of a thing called widgets, um, where you can literally just drag and drop your uh, media files. So whether that's video or photos or links or whatever it might be. And that's actually arranged within the system. Um, and you can publish and preview that instantly. Um, there's a second level, which is called designer which I guess is you know, a sort of similar to sort of PowerPoint um, really in that you can uh, have a bit more flexibility around controlling the design um, of the of the image the target image that you're looking at as we would describe it and you can arrange the content around that and almost create slides um, in order to move between them and then the most powerful end we have um, ZapWork Studio and, and ZapWork Studio really kind of allows you know any sort of designers and developers of, of you know um, uh, with, with experience to. Um, create some truly um, incredible AR experiences. So it brings into you know, into being things like timelines, um, obviously importing three D models and having actions for those. So at this point, you're making mini activities um, and, and interactions. Um, so there really is a very broad range of um, of capabilities there, um, designed for you know the fact that. Uh, with an education, sometimes we go into schools and we do work with um, kids as young as eight, nine, or ten. You know, showing them and getting them interested in both computing and uh, spatial computing at that stage, all the way through to you know these really gifted designers and developers who want to make these you know um, sort of complex and deep and interactive experiences. But making sure that all of these things can be, you know, downloaded over the air, you know, that they are small sort of um, package sizes um, in order that they can work on the majority of devices, wherever that might be in the world. There,
0: I, I think we were kind of reaching a, um, a tipping point in, you know, you mentioned that the, the packages uh, of data are being sent, you know, they're pretty small, but also the phones are becoming more powerful and... Even older phones are starting to be AR enabled, and you know I read a stat that by the end of this year there'll be a close to two billion AR-enabled smartphones in the world, and in you know two years there'll be something like 3.5 billion smartphones that will have AR uh, capabilities. You know as this market just literally expands exponentially, you know how do you see the market for AR? You know, across the board, you know, where do you see the kind of the the biggest upticks in this? Is this going to be, you know, uh, consumer packaged goods? Is this going to be
1: education? Mm. Where do you see the biggest? Um... Well, I think there's a couple of things happening. Uh, uh, there's always been a, you know, a, a pretty enormous um uh, install base, to be honest, even over this last period, in terms of the the devices available on the market. And again, it comes back to that thing that you know, there's an awful lot you can do with AR now that doesn't require the absolute top spec devices. Um, great that you know they're, they're obviously adding these capabilities and you know, camera quality is improving and use of, sort of CPU and GPU and battery life and network and all these things are all great. Um, uh, but, but I don't think we're coming out of a, a sort of a period of darkness, <laughs> if you like. I think more important that we find is, you know, obviously there are a lot of campaigns that we have to deploy um, in many, many markets around the world. And, and really what you need to be uh, more aware of is just, you know, um, data plans that your audience are going to be using and, and actually Wi-Fi connectivity and making sure that whatever you're doing isn't sort of, um, you know, data hungry um, and, and can be downloaded pretty quickly. Um, uh, so I think it, it, a lot of the thinking and planning is more around you know uh, that area. Having said that, I think you know one of the really big inflection points that's going to um, open up the market is you know the advent of mobile web AR, um, and there's obviously a lot of talk about that at the moment. Um, uh, and uh, I think that is you know uh, absolutely fascinating and something that you know we'll be making some announcements around very soon actually, um, and that. Oh, was that a hint? Hint? Nudge? Nudge? <laughs> yeah. Yes, it probably was. Um, Napper acquires 8i, <laughs> dominates
0: the market in Web AR. I don't know. <laughs> Take that with a grain of salt. But this is exciting. If you guys are going to be working, you know, in Web AR, because yeah, you know, we've presented AR to you know hundreds of clients, and I, I would say out of all of them, I'd about sixty percent of them say, you know, do we still need an app?
1: correct correct and and look at I, I don't think it's the death knell of, of of apps there are clearly some that that where where you know uh, ar is very mature in a native app infrastructure and it works incredibly well and there are certain brands and businesses who who can command having that real estate on someone's phone but there are many that can't um, and i think when you get into the area of specific sort of connected packaging which i think is an absolutely enormous market and i guess the way that we tend to think about that is thinking of the trillions of of, uh, products that are both on shelves and in people's homes, and the fact that they are all at the moment passive. Um, And what you can do with augmented reality is clearly turn that passive print um, into this always on media channel that as a brand owner, you begin to control. Uh, And indeed, you can have a one to one conversation and relationship with your end user at a point where actually it's quite a black spot in terms of data collection from the point of purchase all the way through to the point of consumption and beyond. And that is absolutely fascinating if you think of that sort of holy trinity of kind of owned, earned and paid media. Now your own media channel, um, this um, passive print, actually can not only deliver um, both reach but engagement and incredible um, resource of of, of data. So I think, you know, web AR really enables that because for a lot of household brands, people won't necessarily want to have their app, but um, actually a lot of people are, and we've seen it through research that we've conducted and with with partners as well, that people want to know more about the products. You know, we now live in a time when actually understanding a product's provenance and its authenticity and, you know, actually, you know, um, knowing more about its, um, sort of um, how-to pieces and instructional information, all these other things, are stuff that, that we expect, um, and that's something where we can we can really bring that to life through AR, and and, and web AR will play a big part in that, I believe. Um, so I think very okay. exciting. Yeah.
0: How do we how do we then? Because you mentioned something earlier about you know the fact that only a, a small amount of things right now are AR enabled, and and you guys have created what's called the, the Zap code, I guess, or where it's a it's like a QR code specifically for Zapper. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about, you know, potentially creating a universal standard for the AR logo so that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you can have a QR code type thing that anytime you see that QR code, you realize that something is AR enabled, whether it's web or app, or it doesn't matter. Yeah. It, you open your camera, point it at it, and it automatically will take you to the website or the app download yeah. or whatever it is you need to enable that. What, what do you think from that? Yeah, that's
1: interesting. Well, I, uh, might be worth going back to why we came up with the zap code in, in, in the first place um which again in 2011 when we did it i think everyone thought was such a backward step you know because it like, no it's all about image lookup why would i possibly want to put a, a you know a code on this thing you know what are you doing uh and there's some very all they have to do is go to china to answer that yeah, Well, that, you know there was- <laughs> Go to China for a week and try to not use a QR code. Well, this is it. You know, I mean, image lookup's great, but it's it's you know it's more computationally expensive. Um, you know, you do have an issue if you want to, you know, uh, look at something that ostensibly looks the same, which you come across a lot if you're sort of in the licensing world. You know, how can well, if you're a marketer, you, you know, you've got ten advertisements, they all look the same and have some different copy on them. This is it. So. So, you know, Zapcode was was something that came out of um, Simon, our, our research director and co-founder's work about, you know, being able to do incredibly sort of fast detection, you know, when you have things that are small in the camera image. And so Zapcode's really solved an awful lot of problems and meant that we could make custom codes around people's brand identities. So, you know, I guess most famously, we've done some work with Shazam around that um, when we, um, you know, supported all their visual recognition in the Shazam app, um, worked for Hasbro and, and others around that. Um, and so it really serves a purpose, but, but we're pretty agnostic nowadays about what it is that we're going to scan. I mean, you, you mentioned the sort of the QR codes. I mean, they're having their sort of Joe Fraser moment, aren't they? That, that, that it's, and, and so I, I, we're happy to lean into all those things. Um, uh, I think trying to create a, you know, it, it was a bit, again, go, going back, it was when we started, it was always this thought of, oh, you know, which is the AR app that's going to rule them all? And, you know, analysts and journalists would always ask, yeah, but what's the killer application? It was like... I'm not sure that's really asking the right question. AR is this facilitating technology? It's 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 a camera function. You know what we really need to start asking ourselves as brands and businesses is what does our what what you know what are the stories that we're telling as brand owners when seen through the camera and how can AR enhance that? So, what is the value to the end
0: user? <laughs> Whether it's entertainment or delight or exactly. you know functionality, what is the end user's journey and why why would they do this you know i see so many things you know i get, I get emails from different startups all over the world creating ar and I'm like this is great but why would anybody pull their phone out to do this like, what is the actual point of it and i think that's that you know it comes down to your you know your your three c's again context call to action and content yeah
1: without those three three check boxes you just have something cool yeah that's that's exactly right that's exactly right. But I don't think it matters what people are, are pointing their phone at to that point. I mean, you know, I, I guess we're not anti-QR codes. If that's something that people are familiar with, I think the problem we've got with them uh, more in the West is that the you know the experience up till now has been pretty lousy. So how do we sort of re-engage people with that, that behavior? Um, you know, I guess we were very flattered that having done Zap Codes, you know, it wasn't long before we then saw Snap Codes and Amazon Codes and Spotify Codes and, you know, so... As at that point, you go, you know, it's, ni- it's nice to see that we were uh, uh, in the right direction.
0: Well, you know, you and I will talk offline about this, but I have a, a plan on how we can standardize this because I think the, there's definitely confusion in the marketplace. And if I have to open, you know, Zapper to point it at a Zap code, you know, that may be confusing, but if it's just, I open my camera and it automatically recognizes a universal code, you know, you and I will talk about it and we'll yeah. figure out the chronos group to just make it standard.
1: <laughs> well, that would be a good thing. I mean, I think that's why, you know, that, you know because you can now negatively, I guess, access and scan QR codes on iOS devices and and, and, and more so on, you know, with Samsung through Bixby and Google uh, Lens, etc. I think that's the current sort of de facto standard, but happy to have that conversation offline. <laughs> Amazing i'm gonna to
0: move to um something that I know is is kind of a question that uh, cons- consumer customers business consumers and business customers ask me all the time is you know what are the types of data that we can glean from these uh, these activities you mentioned you know basically bringing um, bringing print to life and you know you you're filling in this kind of black hole of, of mm. data that, that you know when you print something you send it out there you don't know are people reading it? Are they looking at it? Are they, you know, are they going on the web? You have no idea unless you put a, you know, a coupon code and then, you know, okay, well, we had 17 visitors from this or whatever, but with AR, you know, where they are, how long they dwell, you know, what are some of the data points that you're able to collect and give to brands and how are they using those data points?
1: Yeah, indeed. Well, I guess as, you know we we have to do this all under the auspices of the of GDPR, um, which is now in in you know full effect over here in Europe, and I'm sure will be coming to many more markets soon. Um, so we do have to ensure, from a Zapper perspective, that um, any of the data we collect um, is not uh, personally identifiable. Um, now that still means we can we can see quite a lot of stuff um, from the anonymized data. So we can obviously see. You know, number of scans, a uh, number of unique scans, um, what time of day, what region, uh, what events occurred. So if someone uh, scanned uh, a powered experience, you know, did they play the mini game? Did they take the photo? Did they, you know, receive the coupon? You know, all those sorts of things. So we can understand, you know, what they've done. We can see their average dwell time. So we've got quite a lot of analysis there that kind of means that we can understand how a campaign is performing. Now, clearly if that is then also integrated into a third-party app and they have got those permissions um, from end users well then all of that can be tied um to individuals um as well Uh, and then you can get a very sort of rich and uh, and sort of uh, personal source of data um but clearly that has to happen in an infrastructure where someone has, has 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 opted in um And I think those things are fascinating on both sides so clearly where we're doing work with with retailers and they might um, have their own reward schemes being able to to understand that um, uh, at that individual level is is incredibly powerful Um, but even where we've done it for for say some uh, some other FMCG brands you know we've had some fascinating times where we can pinpoint at what time of day, what day part, and indeed what hours um, people have scanned over the course of a week. And some fascinating patterns occur there. And that information has also been taken to to then uh, inform the rest of the media strategy. Uh, because if people can understand when actually most likely that people will be using their product, well, that's really interesting information to think oh, about how, how you fight other things. So I think there's, you know, look, it's all a uh... It's all data right it's 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 what you do with it that's that's the most important thing. Um, uh, so m- making sure that once you've got it that you've got the right analysts and you've been asking the right questions indeed, before you even start the activity, you've set your objectives clearly then uh, well, you know that was gonna
0: be one of my next questions is you know let's say a brand comes to you and they say, hey, we want to do AR and you okay, well <laughs> mm. that's great we want to do AR. what are your you know, what are you measuring? What are you going to measure success on? And what are some of the uh, the measurements of success that you guys, uh, you know, promote or, or you know, talk to brands about? What are they looking for? Are they looking for you know, we just not, you know, a number of clicks, but there's also earned media. There's there's tons of different ways to measure this. What are the, the typical ones?
1: Well, first thing I'd say is if, if you know uh, if anyone comes to you and says we want to do AR, that that should ring an alarm bell to begin with because because <laughs> it means they haven't you know they're not really thinking about what their objectives are. They're they're just again trying to think of AR as this thing that exists in this vacuum. So, what do you what do you do in that case? Do you do you we you know do educate? You? Yeah, we do. We we you know because it's look, it's so important um, uh, both for us as a business, but I think more broadly for everyone to kind of realize that you know. Um, AR is, 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 you know, it's not like the, you know, the dog you get for Christmas. It's something that you've got to think about for life. Um, you know, because the true value of AR is about this always-on channel, um, as opposed to this just one-off. You know, tick the innovation box for your marketing campaign piece. Uh, and in fact, you won't get the value out of doing it that way. You know where you can extract the value is understanding how to best deploy it, you know, uh, throughout the business uh, and, and use it on an ongoing basis. Um, but but you're, so so there are a number of different ways um, uh, and objectives that I guess that that we're we're asked to achieve depending on the sector and uh, uh, and the project, and that could be anything from people who do have their own app and they're trying to. Uh, increase the number of people who've installed it, and increase the dwell time and the reason for being in the app, um, in order to explore other features within it. You know, that's a perfectly legitimate use of AR as a sort of, uh, a, a sort of a, a gateway, if you like, to um, bring people into an app um, uh, and to discover other other services within it. Um, Clearly, it can be also be used if people are trying to, in a retail setting, um, bring people into a store environment. Um, uh, and you know, we've done some great work with a, a company called Tilly's in the States. Um, which does, uh, our, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And, and they've been fantastic as well. You know, I've worked with them for a few years and, and true pioneers as well in terms of properly integrating into their app, trying to make this connection between their bricks and mortar retail and their, their digital strategy. Um, giving value add coupons as rewards within the AR experiences, um, uh, you know, making sure that their internal staff um, are well informed about it, because you know we also know it's a great tool for people on the shop floor to excite people about and you know start up a conversation. Um, but there again, you know, that is about. You know hold on, hold on. Let, let's just stop there for one second.
0: As, you know, this is something that I don't think many uh, brands have considered by, you know, everybody's thinking about how do we get, you know, this app in the consumer's hands. But more importantly, you know, how do I enable our retail sales reps or retail salespeople to have something engaging to show a consumer?
1: You're so right. Yeah.
0: That is a beautiful use case and not only can it be used to train the sales reps, but then they can use it to train the customers. Uh,
1: exactly right. You know, and it, it is, and it, 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 conforms to that wonderful sort of fear of missing out that we all have um and i always liken it to you know if you're sitting on the on the subway uh you know reading the paper uh you know or back in the day when that used to happen um, <laughs> people couldn't help themselves but look over at your paper and, and read it and it's the same if someone's on the phone you know one eye is slightly looking at your screen at what they're doing People innately are interested in what others are doing. So if you're in a, a on a shop floor and 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 we've done this a lot of shows, you know, you you hold your device and scan whatever that thing is scanning, and people are like a moth to a flame. They'll come over and increase it. And people love it. Yeah, and and it strikes up a conversation, you know, um, and then suddenly you're into uh, uh, you know, into a, into a different type of sales framework. Um, so I think that's you know it's an incredibly powerful use of, of of technology. You also have um, you know, think about workforces where um, not everyone has access to uh, the computer. You know, let's say it's an, a, a, for um, hospitality or, or or you know, um, food service. You know, most of the staff will have access to a phone, but they might not have a terminal they can get to. So how do you get to that disconnected workforce and tell them about, you know, new offers or new promotions or new things that they can sell? And actually, AR is a very kind of um, interactive and engaging way for them to do that. Um, It's interesting you say that. We just invested in a company called 3D Food and Drink, uh and they do
0: super high resolution photogrammetry scans of, you know, meals. And then they do uh, wine and beer and alcohol pairings with those food, and it's a great way for the the restaurants, the servers to show, you know, the meal in a completely different way. And it's it's increasing sales dramatically by you know forty fifty percent because that you know expensive uh, meal item is now at the forefront in AR, and then the wine upgrade or the beer upgrade is is you know, increasing the sales as well. So it's interesting you said that.
1: Oh, it's great to see that. And, and, and I think there is now, um, you know, well, another thing maybe for offline that we need to get to is a point where all these incredible case studies are all being put together um, because they all exist. And, and the stats do not lie, and they do speak for themselves. And the incremental value that is being generated by the use of AR for these um, different experiences, um, uh, you, you know, is, uh, is evident. Um, now, clearly, not everything works brilliantly and you learn as many things from your failures as your successes. But it is extraordinary, you know, that there, you know, time and again, we're seeing that, you know, uh, in terms of the level of engagement, the level of click through, the level of, you know, um, increase in sales volume and uh, footfall. Um, you know, it, it does have this, you know, facilitating uh, effect on, on, on different experiences.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know what? You mentioned um, stats. What are some of the stats that you can share, um, you know, publicly? I know there, you know, there's probably a lot uh, that you can't share, but what are some of the statistics around, you know, successful campaigns? What does
1: what constitutes a successful campaign? Well, you're right. There's, there's quite a lot that is governed by NDAs that we can't <laughs> we can't talk about. Um, um, so that's that is a harder one to get into, to be honest. Um, you know, because we're talking about case
0: studies, and yeah. you know. I, we want to be able to write these case studies and scream from the rooftops how great it is. And then we're all under NDA, so we can't share it. So it's like,
1: this. yeah, it's a bit of a Gordian knot there. That That is, that is a fair point. I'm sure, I'm sure that, you know, the, the, the right permissions could be sought in order to get, to get all those things together. Um, are you, are you guys members of the VRAR Association? Uh, we are now. Yes, we are. Yeah, so the
0: VRAR Association uh, is a global organization that has chapters in pretty much every city in the world. And they've been really pioneering kind of uh, pulling together these case studies, these white papers. I wrote the, uh, the, the enterprise white paper um, about, I don't know, six months ago. Mm. And there's a marketing yeah. and retail one. So there is uh, some work being done around collecting all these. And I, you know, be interesting. We'll talk offline about this, but I'd love to. catch up, Working this and pull it together because you're absolutely right. And, and the rising tide raises all boats. And in this case, we're in an industry that, you know, over the next five or six years is going to create a trillion dollars in value in the marketplace. And so we need to just scream it from the rooftops.
1: Absolutely. No, no, I'd definitely love to pick up on that.
0: Well, I wanna thank you so much for your time. We're you know, we're coming to the end here. Is there anything else? Uh, the last thing I the last thing I wanted to ask you, is there anything else you wanted to, you know, mention?
1: Well, gosh, we have covered a lot of stuff. Um, I I, I think the only thing I'd say is that, you know, um, this is a space that will continue to evolve. Um, But I I just reiterate that point of, I I don't think we should get too caught up in the future. Uh, And I think we do need to celebrate the now. Um, And and augmented reality is a now technology. It's not just a future technology. Um, And I think most of the applications that uh, are are readily available uh, to pursue now Um, have not been explored to their uh, fullest extent by large swathes um, uh, uh, of businesses in many, many categories. So I would um, sort of, I guess, say to people, really, really try and embrace what's there now. Get ready for what's coming in the future, but take advantage of what, what you can do today.
0: Well, that's amazing advice. And you heard it from uh, Casper from Zapper. Thank you for listening. This has been the XR for Business podcast with your host, Alan Smithson. This podcast was another amazing example of how how XR technologies are revolutionizing business across every industry. To learn more about Casper and Zapper, visit zapper.com, Z-A-P-P-A-R.com. Or if you're in the US, Z-A-P-P-A-R.com.
1: Casper, thank you so, so much. Not at all. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.